All right, welcome to Open Life. My name's Jaden. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you haven't signed up for groups yet, we'd love for you to take the opportunity after service to do that. I'll be standing out at the groups table, and so I can just send you an email right from there, and so you can get connected. Um, we have a few different groups. One of them Sunday Night Football, and too bad the group doesn't talk to meet tonight, because then we could be watching an awesome Seahawks game. So hopefully the Seahawks win. If you're lucky enough to be at the game tonight, congratulations. I'm, I'm very jealous, but I'll be watching it on TV on my non-HD signal, so it'll be awesome. Um, but anyway, thanks for being here today. We're glad that you were able to make it, and I'm glad to see your faces. Hopefully you got through the fog. It's just kind of weird. I'm like, this is foggy this morning, and I was kind of cold, and I'm like, I need to start wearing my coats on Sunday mornings now. But if you haven't been here the last two weeks, we've been talking about um, Open Life's values. You may be seeing them when you walk through, but we have six different values that we kind of walk through. And so if you missed out, I'd love for you to go check out our podcast at livinglifeopen.com. Check it out. Hear about what Open Life is about for these last two weeks. Um, but we have our mission, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about vision and kind of like going for a vision. What's our, what's our plan to make our mission possible? What's the vision that we have for open life? And so next week, we're going to be talking more about like what Thad's gone through. If you don't know, Thad Huff is our pastor, and he's been away for the last month in Indonesia building churches. And we're going to be talking a little bit about what he's been doing today, but he's going to be talking about a lot of the stories that him and Dana and um, the kids went through and just some cool things that have been going on in their lives. And just I've just seen, been seeing their posts on Facebook and on Instagram, and it just sounds like it's just been a life change changing uh, experience for them. And so they're going to be talking about that. But at Open Life, we have a mission. And if you don't know, it's people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. This is our main goal. If what we do at Open Life doesn't help accomplish this, then it's not worth our time, money, or our resources. But next we have the how we do the mission, and that's through connect, serve, and share. And so we talked a little bit about that the last couple of weeks, about how we believe in connecting with people. We believe in serving people and sharing life with people. And the way we do that is it's like a cycle. Once you kind of get in on either of those things, if you connect with someone, then maybe you want to start serving them. And if you start serving someone, then you want to share them a little bit about who Jesus is all for the progression of our mission is that people leading people into growing relationship with Jesus. But what we talked about specifically over the last two weeks was our values and how our values kind of create a culture of how we connect, serve, and share. They create the attitude. They, cur- they help us make decisions when we come to forks in the road of opportunities that are in open life's way. And so then we related to how in our own lives, we too need to have values. We too need to have missions in our lives to the way we live our life. It kind of dictates what happens when we have job opportunities that come up in our lives or just life decisions that happen where you need to know, well, what do I do? I have a question. Well, you go to God to it, but also God also gives us free will. And sometimes we have awesome decisions. It's not necessarily a bad or a good thing, but we have good decisions on both sides. Well, how do you know what to do then? Well, our values are what dictate and create the culture of how we do that. And so those are what we've been talking about. Um, And it's like the way I like to think about it, our values, it's like when you make spaghetti. I love spaghetti, even though it's like the simplest food. But I love to try it at other restaurants, you know, whether it's Buca de Bebo's, the old spaghetti factory, Olive Garden. And what I like to think about our values, it's like the recipe that open life, if our mission was to create spaghetti, our values are the ingredients that we put into our dish. 
And so it's distinct, it's unique, it's different than maybe what you get at another church. Not that that church is bad, not that that church, that church is awesome, but our specific recipe is unique to who we are, and it creates a blend that we like and that we do it and that we go for in our mission. And so if you're a foodie, then maybe that is a good way of relating what of our values is, is that it creates just a spice or a recipe of how open life uh, reaches our mission. But today we want to talk about vision. So where are we going? How do we know where to go? Our mission, actions, and values are the parameters of how open life functions, but our vision is basically like our plan of attack. How will we go forward? And vision can be scary because it's where talk becomes action. It's where the road meets the pavement. Enter whatever cliche you like about actually doing something. That's what our vision does, is it helps us actually get our foot to the road. And so we believe that vision comes from God that is modeled through Jesus' life, and that if we are going forward on a path, that, that path better be paved by God so that we are walking in, his will, walking in His will and that it's a plan, a vision worth following. And so today, as we're going to be talking about vision, we're doing it in preparation for next week when Thad comes and talks. It's like our vision Sunday, next Sunday, and Thad's going to be talking. We're calling it Visibility 2013. So it's kind of like, I don't know if you ever watch the news in the morning, but when it's foggy, they give you like a visibility forecast and they'll tell you like, well, in Tacoma, you can see two miles before you can't see anything. And then like if it's 10 miles, that means it's a clear like morning. And so our visibility is like, how clear are we seeing the mission of open life? And so that's what next week's going to be all about. And we're going to be talking about where our vision comes from, why does it come, and how do we go forward in vision? And so I'm just excited to hear again, like what Thad's been going through, um, just because We've only been connecting through emails, and it's like one-word emails are like, what's this, what's this? But I'm here ready to hear some stories. I'm ready to hear some like actual things that God is doing in people there in Indonesia. So let's jump in today. What does the Bible say about vision? The most quoted verse probably from the Bible that um, speaks on vision comes from Proverbs 29, 18. And I want you to hear it in a few different translations so that you can kind of hear what is really behind the passage. And so first we'll read from the NIV And this is what it says. The passages will be on the screen, but it says, Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. The next one comes from the English Standard Version. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. So basically the same thing. But the one I really like comes from the New American Standard Bible, and it goes like this. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. And so there are a few different angles we can look at this passage. The first is that where there is no vision, chaos is sure to ensue. And is that true? Can we question that part of the verse for a second? And I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a time in life where you look back into your life and said, like, how did I get here? Like, maybe it was a few months, maybe it was a few years, but you just looked back and said, like, how did I end up in this place in life? And so we've all made mistakes. We all have regrets or feelings like, where did just the time go? Like, how fast has the time gone by? And I think times like these arrive when we don't have vision for what is ahead of us. Times of transition seem to foster this, whether it's a transition of a job or you moved or just a life transition in general. We get scared and we don't know where we are headed and time goes by and we look back and say, I didn't mean to be in this position that I'm in now. And so without vision, our lives become unrestrained and we don't check our decisions against a plan of how we should live. And if we don't have a plan or idea of where we are going, then we lose sight of where we are headed. 
And so a step that may seem in one direction to have no consequences, when we don't have a vision, we realize that maybe it was a step backward once we finally do get a vision. is because now we have a plan and we realize that all those decisions we, we made to a certain point were actually taking us away from where we actually wanted to be. And so the second angle that we can look at is to be addressed in the passage is what does the law have to do with vision? We are advised that we'll be blessed or even happy if we choose to follow the law or the instruction of wisdom as the one verses say. And so we'll look, at it, we'll look at this more in depth a little bit later today, but think about it this way. There's like a whole book of vision called the Bible, and if you let that influence the way you live and let yourself be adopted into that vision that the Bible portrays, the promises that come from it are a life everlasting, peace from chaos, or even freedom from darkness. And so when we choose to follow Jesus, instantly we're part of a vision that at least gives us a new plan in life so that our steps can be marked in a direction towards life and away from darkness. If you heard today that we were talking about vision and you thought, how can my life have vision? Maybe you think that vision has no place in the way that you live. Please don't under, underestimate a short change what the vision of Jesus is for your life. Don't shortchange that. Realize that Jesus has a vision for the way that you live your life, and he wants you to live a purposeful life towards a mission and towards a goal. And don't, don't shortchange that. Even if you think that your life is worthless or inadequate, don't shortchange the vision that Jesus has for you and that he has purpose for you and he has love for you and he wants you to be cherished and wants you to live in a missional and a purposeful way. So be encouraged today. So let's talk about two reasons that God provides vision. The first is to encourage people to do what he wants them to do. And it's the first fill-in on your handout if you're following along there. Acts 9, 1 through 19 tells a two-part two story about how Jesus provided vision to do different people to further his plan um, for his will and his purpose. And, and so as we read along, just think about God giving vision to people and how he connects different types of people for the same vision. And so let's read together in Acts 9, 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, which is the way of Jesus, where, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see. He could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. It did not eat or drink anything. So we have Saul, a murderer and a persecutor of these new Christians that were just transformed by Jesus in the life he did. The disciples are spreading the word of Jesus, and now there's people coming to know Jesus daily. And now Saul, this person, he's basically a Pharisee, and he's persecuting these new Christians, and he's really actually murdering them and getting them to be stoned, getting them to be put in front of the, the law and of the synagogues, and he's just basically literally murdering people. But God has a plan for him. And so, please don't ever think you're so far off the path that Jesus is ready to intercede with your life and intersect with you and to put you on a new path. 
Saul was way off course, but Jesus invites him to get back in line. Saul, with his no doubt many questions like, why am I blind? He obeys and actually goes to the city. He listens to Jesus, this message. And the first step of surrender to Jesus was Paul doing what Jesus told him to do. Jesus wanted Saul to become the person that we'll read in just the, in just the next part of verses. But he, want, he had a vision. He had a plan for his life. And Saul, in that moment, he decided to change his thinking and to actually do what Jesus said. But at the same time, Jesus speaks to another person. And as we'll read, we'll read this story now. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained, he regained his strength. So it's so cool to see how God is joining multiple people to further his mission, giving visions to do different people to come together and for God's will to be glorified. And so despite Ananias' objections, the Lord said, the vision you are to pursue is that Saul is going to be the chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Basically, Jesus is saying to Ananias, he's saying, you know what? I have a plan for Saul. He's going to be proclaiming my name to people who don't know me. And he's my chosen one. He's my chosen instrument. So I need you to do something for me to make that vision happen. God provided vision to both Saul and Ananias to get them to do what he wanted them to do. He didn't force them into these situations but provided an opportunity for them to join the plan, in the plan of having people who didn't know Jesus to begin to know him. What if Saul had decided to move on and just said, you know what, this is weird. I'm like not going to even go to listen to this vision I had. I'm just going to ignore it and live my life, which is not very different from what sometimes we do when we feel a vision inside of our hearts arise. It's easy to just say ignore those things. Or what if Ananias had just said, you know what, this is too much risk for me. I'm not even going to go to this city where I could be put into harm because all he knows about Saul is that he's been murdering people and persecuting people. But what if they did that? Then we miss out on an awesome person who Saul actually becomes Paul and writes a large majority of the New Testament where people who Paul actually saved and brought to Jesus wouldn't be brought to Jesus. And Ananias wouldn't be able to have that awesome experience of doing the will of God. And so visions and plans can only go go so far. We need to be eager to put our own feet to the ground and walk in vision. And then if we don't follow the vision set out for us, we risk not being where God wants us to be. And that's a place we don't want to be. We want to be where God wants us to be. And so the second thing that God provides vision for is to encourage the discouraged. We've all been situations in our lives where maybe we felt 
Like, just we're not in control. Maybe we wanted to be following a vision, but just felt that there wasn't a plan for how we were living our lives. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe there was an unexpected death of a loved one or a life crisis. It just threw you out of whack. In those times, vision can provide hope. Vision can provide peace, and it can encourage you if you're discouraged. And so we talked about Saul in the last passage, and he did become Paul. And the book of Acts talks about his journeys, about how he was bringing more and more people to know Jesus. And one of the situations is in Corinth. And so we're going to read a passage about how even Jesus, again, he provides a vision to Saul to encourage him when he could have felt discouraged about people who are now becoming to persecute him. And so Acts 18, 9 through 11 says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. And so the story goes on and says that people began to rise up against Paul, but God was faithful to his vision to keep him safe. Now, you can call me crazy, but I believe that God still speaks those visions into our lives today. That he still speaks vision when we're discouraged so that we can be encouraged in the situations that we find ourselves in in our lives. I've been discouraged before feeling I was out of control. Like having the death. I remember when I was a young teenager, my grandpa died. And it just caused so much stress in my heart because it was so unexpected. And I was like looking forward to always going to my grandpa's house every summer. And as a kid, that just messed with my life. But God still provided the hope and said, you know what, I have a plan. I have a vision for your life, and you're not living an unpurposeful life. You're living a purposeful life. And so that provides hope in those times. And so I don't know if some of you are looking for a job right now, or you're looking for just some sort of encouragement. God has a vision for your life. If you choose to be faithful in it, he has a vision, and he has hope, and he has a purpose for you. And so whether it's dreams you have or just inclinations brought on by the Holy Spirit in your heart that, are, that you read about in the Bible and are also encouraged from wise counsel outside of like your friends, God's still providing vision for people today. And not just to get them where he wants them, but to encourage them with where they're at. And so now we get to the second part of Proverbs where happiness comes to the one who keeps the law of wisdom's instruction. Listen to what, listen to what James says about wisdom. In James 1, 5 through 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Vision provides stability to our lives, keeps us from being double-minded and wishy-washy in the way that we approach our mission. James clearly says that wisdom comes from God. And so if you are searching for wisdom and a vision for your life, try looking to the Bible for answers. The next point that we have, vision comes from following the Word of God. And when we talk about the Word of God, we're talking about the Bible. We're talking about Scripture. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. When we're living our lives, Scripture can guide us when we come to hard times. Scripture can guide us in our daily lives when we have decisions. But it's just if we choose to let 
the word of God come into our hearts and actually begin to dictate our decisions and to help us go forward with the lives that we're living. And so if you're lost for vision in your life, if you're overwhelmed with where life is taking you, and I know that as some of us here today, we have to understand that the reason that we have the Bible is so that we can easily look to Jesus and find hope for our current situation. No matter how many times I pick up and read the Bible, I open it again and again, and God speaks to me through it. I see the story of Jesus, and I don't feel the shame of how inadequate I am to comparison to Jesus, but I feel the grace of the way that he lived his life, and I see the way that he sacrificed and suffered for me, and I'm given grace, and I'm encouraged. The Word of God, the Bible, continually speaks, and when we add it to a life of prayer and a life of seeking and longing for truth, we are, giving a path, we are given a path to walk along. It is the first and most important invitation into joining God's vision for life. From beginning to end, we can see in Scripture that God's plan is for redeeming man and realizing that he sent his son to die for us, and he rose again so that we could have hope of eternal life in Jesus. That's the word of God. But we can't kid ourselves in ignoring that with vision from the word of God, action has to follow. We just read the scripture from James where it says that we seek for wisdom when we need it, but he also says when you finally get it, you have to start doing something about it. Listen to this. James 1, through 25 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. So when we look intently into the word of God and actually do what it says after hearing it, we join with God's vision. That's how we join with God's vision, is that we hear the word of God, we let it transform our lives, and then we begin to do it. Happy are those who keep the word of God. Blessed are those who follow what it says. That's scripture. That's played out in my life every day when I try and make decisions. Happy am I when I actually live in the blessings of God that he, spe- that he teaches in scripture. Blessed am I when I actually do that. And then the next thing, greater vision comes to those who are faithful with the vision that they currently have. Instead of being tempted into thinking that you are living a life of insignificance, we need to trust that we are faithful with the vision that we have now in Jesus and that he will add to that. Listen to this story. It's, I'm taking it out of the Message Bible because it, it kind of says it in a simpler way and an easier way to understand, but it's a story that Jesus, he's telling his disciples what the kingdom of God is like. He's explaining what all this is about. And so listen to what Jesus says. Jesus is saying, it's also like a man, the kingdom of God is saying, it's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one, he gave $5,000. To another, 2000 To a third one, to a third, 1000 depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off, the first, service, first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same. But the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of these, those three servants came back and settled up with them. 
The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him, good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant with the 2000 showed how he also had doubled his master's investment. His master commended him, good work, you did your job well. For now on, be my partner. The servant given 1000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the, with the bankers, or at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most, and get rid of this, play it safe, who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. Vision is walking the line between consistency and spontaneity. It's like Jesus in this, he's saying these three servants, the one, the two that got the 5,000 and the 1,000, or the 2,000, they doubled their money. They went out and they actually did the vision. But the one who decided to play it safe and decided to bury it, he didn't even get an interest on his investment. And so there's this this kind of like give and take of being spontaneous, like being risky, but also being diligent and being consistent and following the vision that Jesus has for you. I remember when I first decided to follow Jesus as a child, all I thought about in that moment was choosing to accept Christ into my life. I didn't think that in 20 years I was going to be on a stage talking about Jesus or I was going to be a pastor or even that I was going to be trying to really do what God wanted to do in my life. I was just thinking about myself. And so many of you, I think, can relate because when we become Christian, we realize that it's like, I want to live this life and follow Jesus. And then we don't see that, well, God actually has bigger visions for you, but the vision you have when you accept Jesus is just for your life, that, that you have a life. But then as you live your life, as you become more and more mature in Christ, and as you live your life, you begin to see more and more, well, what about my family? Well, I want my family to know Jesus as well. So your vision grows. Your vision becomes greater. And as you diligently, as you consistently live out that vision— then your vision goes, well, what about my friends? What about my coworkers? What about my neighbors? People that I'm like living with, like they also need to know Jesus too. So in that moment, your vision becomes greater as well. And so as we can see that as we live consistently and as we're faithful with the vision that we have now in our lives, Jesus comes in and he says, well, I think you can have a greater vision now. I've, you've been diligent. You've been faithful with what, with what you've been given. And now you can grow, and now it can grow into something bigger and something greater. Open Life has gone through this recently in a truly tangible way. And it's been awesome to see it play out. When Open Life first started, we wanted to give our money in a strategic way. We didn't just want to give money out to people and not feel like that those people weren't going to be strategic with, with the money that was given to them. And so how we work this out is that we have strategic partners. And for a long time, We've been giving both locally to organizations in Bonnie Lake, but also globally to uh, organizations that we're helping out across the world. People like Charity Water, who bring water to people who have no clean water. And so, but recently, within the last year, God's been growing that vision more and more. And so that's how we get to the point of Thad and Dana choosing to go to Indonesia. 
they took a huge risk in the middle of their lives to go and do something awesome for Jesus. Something where maybe they used to have a small vision for the world, like the big global world to find Christ. But then Jesus said, you know what? That vision can grow now. You've been diligent with the vision that you had from the beginning, but now that vision needs to grow. And so they begin to take these risks. They, they were asked about a year ago, hey, what would it look like if you went to in Indonesia for a month and pastored this church that these missionaries were going, the tailors who they were here a while back? But, and they said, well, what would that look like? Well, that would be risky. That's a lot of money to bring our whole family over there for a month. Open Life didn't have the money to give, him, give it to him to do that. They didn't have the money to do it. And so they took a risk. They took a risk to actually let that vision grow, and it grow it did. And so it, when you think about all the risks that they took, they didn't have the money to go. Their kids are missing school right now. And I don't know if you know this, but Dana just got a job in the school district, and she's missed like the first three weeks of it because she's been in Indonesia. But God said, I'm going to provide a way because the vision that you have is great. The vision that you used to have was small and it's growing and it's growing and now it's big. And now I'm going to provide for you to walk in that vision. And so as we can see, the vision grows when we are diligent with the small vision that we have now. And it turns into something bigger. So why don't you show this picture? This is a picture of Thad. It's really, it's kind of smaller, but Thad's the guy right there on the far side but this is a church that he built. This is a church that Thad built. It's number 29 of 100 churches that these missionaries want to create by the year 2025. And I'm pretty sure that that had a hand in 27 and 28 and 29. This is church 29. The walls aren't going to be done for a few more months. They're still working on it. But when you're talking about small vision, small vision is just putting money into an offering and giving it to an organization and just hoping that your money goes to something awesome. But we are diligent in that. We are faithful in that. But then God says, you know, you've been doing an awesome job. I'm going to continually grow that more and more. And so God provided connections that Thad had with a missionary in Indonesia. And a missionary that had the audacity just to ask that, hey, would you go here for a month and pastor my church while I'm back in the States? And that, I remember at the time, was like, well, that would be interesting. You know, I pastor a church here. We don't have a ton of leaders. We don't have a ton of people to run the show here while I'm gone. But God provided a way. You can see the church. That's big vision. That's people that are going to go into there in a Muslim country that know nothing about Jesus, and they're going to get to experience it. That's big vision. And that's what God wants for you today. And so it's sure, it's easy. It's easy not to be risky and bury our vision. It's easy just to say, you know what, I'm going to just, I have a vision, but I'm just going to bury it because I'm scared that I'm going to fail. I'm scared that my master is going to come back and he's going to be mad at me because I failed at my vision. But we know how the story goes, is that God loves the ones who actually step out in vision and actually begin to see the steps of the vision happening. And so I, don't, I have no idea what that vision is for you, for you in your life. I don't know if that's like a business plan or a job opportunity or just the way that you want your kids to grow up. That's a vision. That's like 
awesome vision for your life. But so it's easy to just bury those things and to say, you know what, I, I can like do something else right now. I'm just going to like dig a hole and bury that vision. And maybe in five years, I'm going to do that. Well, that's how you end up five years later and look back and say, I don't know how I got to this place. I don't know how I came to this place. That's because you buried your vision. If you choose to invest into your vision and to apply it and to live it out, God provides the way and he says, you're living a purposeful purposeful life. Let me pave the path for you so that you can walk straight in the path, the vision that I have for you. And so I don't know what that is, but we have to think about it. We have to think about what that is personally. And so I don't know if you've noticed, but the last three weeks, I've kind of more emphasized on what is personally our values? What is personally my vision for my life? What is the vision that I want to live in my life? So that next week, when Thad comes back, he can provide, well, what's the vision? What's the mission? How do our values affect the mission of open life? Because I believe that open life can't succeed unless there's successful lives that make up open life. I want you guys to be successful in the way that you live your life, with your visions, with your missions, with your values. I want to like just experience your culture. I want to see your flavor of life and let it affect the way that I live because it affects the way open life goes into the community. It affects the way that people grow in a growing relationship with Jesus is when we're all doing it together. But you have to own it. You have to own it for yourself. You have to invest into it. You can't bury it. You have to like make that double portion. Invest that, you know, 5,000 whatever, 5,000 dream and get 5,000 back. Don't just bury it. And so I want to leave you with some encouragement because we can think like, well, how am I going to do this? Well, I always look back and I always quote this because it's like the last thing Jesus said when he was on earth. And he had a group of disciples and basically these guys are just fishermen. And they lived with Jesus, yeah, for like three and a half years and they got to see him do his miracles. They got him to see him do his awesome stuff. But then they just go back to fishing after Jesus died and rose again. Jesus finds them back to fishing. They've buried their vision. They buried their dreams. And he says, he says this. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's a huge vision to follow. If I was a disciple, I'm like, go to all the ends of the earth. That's a huge vision. How do I even do that? And especially for people who just were fishermen. These weren't talented people. They weren't skilled in leadership. They weren't the best or the brightest. They caught fish. And so I imagine that Jesus' next words right after this really brought comfort to them when they needed it the most. And this is what Jesus said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In that moment, maybe when they heard Jesus say that, they decided to not focus on their inadequacy, but they focused on the pure power of Jesus to see the mission go forward. And maybe that's like what you need right now is to know that Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you in your vision. He's with you in your life circumstance. He's with you in the power that you need to go forward in life. And I don't know, I don't know your situation. I would love to hear about it if you want to share. We're all about stories here, and sometimes we don't do that enough. We don't share. You know, I was lost, but I was found, and this is how Jesus really spoke to me. Those stories need to be shared. 
And so I don't know how it is for your life, but I want you to know Jesus is with you. As you walk out this doors, he's with you in your vision. He's with you in your job. He's with you in your family. He's with you to encourage you. And so as you begin to faithfully apply these things, I just want your vision to grow. Find a way to let your vision grow. And that happens by diligently working with what vision you have right now. And so as we leave today, there's three action steps. The first one is to pray for next Sunday. We are believing for awesome things to happen for the vision of open life in the next year, the next months, the next weeks, whatever it is. We believe that God has awesome plans in store. He's with us and we want to see him do great things. The next one is ask God for vision. As small or as big as it may be, ask for God's insight as you study scripture, as you pray, ask him for how your vision can grow and how you can see new things. And then finally, the last action step is just walk in that vision. Whatever it is, whatever it is, how insignificant you think it is, the first step to growing your vision is to just do the vision you have now. Just do it. Just walk in it. And so I don't know if that's like, if you just have a vision to build a strong family, I think that's one of the most important things that we just throw aside. And then we wonder why our kids are so messed up when they grow up. Is But if that's your vision, if that's your one thing, then invest in that this week. Take your kids out to dinner and just love on them. And they might think it's weird. They might whatever. But like, just invest into them. Invest time into them. Invest into your mission. I don't know if that's, if your vision is just to grow in your job and to become more diligent in that. Grow in your job. Work hard. This week, just go in your work and just blow the socks off your boss and just show them that, hey, I'm here to work and I'm here to help this company grow. I don't know what company you work at, but just be diligent. Just work your butt off to try and do something. God honors those things. It's real life, and Jesus has a plan for every single thing that we do. So would you do that this week? Would you focus on those things? I'm going to pray. Dave's going to lead a song and just worship and ask God, you know, what do you have for me? What do you have in my life? What vision do you have for where you want me to go? God, I just come before you, and I just thank you for your vision on my life, God. I thank you that uh, in times when I might be discouraged, where I feel like I'm not in control— that I know that you are in control, that you control my path, you control my footsteps as long as I walk in that. And I do what I think that you would want me to do, God. And I pray, Lord, that I would be diligent in the things that you want me to do, in the vision that you have for me. That I would just be ready to see vision in my life, to see vision in others and to speak that into people, God. And just help me to walk forward, God. I pray that you would just let people know that you're with them, God. You're here with us now. It's not like we have to ask for you to come into this place. We don't have to ask you to to come and be with us because you're already here, God. But I pray that we would be acknowledgers of your presence and that we would walk straight paths for you, that we would be diligent in our jobs, that we'd be that we'd be faithful to our families in raising up awesome kids, awesome families, God. But Lord, just show us vision, grow our vision, and let us just walk forward in it. In your name, amen.